Welcome to the first ever New Era Flames podcast. I'm your boy, Cam Elder, at LZ14Twosies on Twitter. Joining me is my co-host, The Clofish, Adam Clausen, at Adam Clausen on Twitter. Adam, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, fired up. You know, new new podcast coming. If you haven't heard, we're a new branch of the New Era Hockey Network, formerly known as the New Era Sends. They found some early success with their podcast starting, so they decided to expand to cover all the Canadian markets. And, you know, when I was approached to join this podcast, like, say, six weeks ago, the Flames are in a lot better position than they are now. So we've had a lot of ideas come and go for this first episode. I think I had a magic number at, like, 10 more losses we could eat, and I think we've taken them in our last 10 games. The real magic number is at 12 and a half, but we'll get to that. Yeah, well, a little bit about myself here. Um, Cam shouted uh, shouted to me at work one day, hey, I got a little gig, a little side hustle here that uh, I think you'd be the perfect buddy for, so I couldn't pass up on the opportunity there. Uh, here we are, a little bit uh, later than originally anticipated, but, uh, you know, we made it. A little technical difficulties. It's always going to happen, first episode, you know, so... Only gonna get better from here. Can't really uh, get much worse than that. So I'm just I'm I'm uh, excited to be here. Really cool opportunity. Uh, I know these boys at uh, New Era Sends. They put in a lot of really good work, and I really like what they're doing. I honestly listen to them every weekend while I do my chores, vacuum the house, you know, fold the laundry. So uh, they get me through those uh, tough moments of the weekend, and uh, hoping I don't know if I'm gonna listen to myself per se, but hopefully you guys can listen to us and. Uh, feel the same way as I do about these boys and good group of guys for sure. Yeah. And, you know, coming into this, we wanted to keep this first episode pretty optimistic. It's going to be pretty tough, but I do plan on keeping it optimistic. I am a Flames fan through and through, born and raised in Edmonton, 30 years, took in a lot of flack for it, but I've never broke. These colors don't run. So I gotta, I gotta keep optimism. I can't quit yet. Or as Adam knows, I'm gonna hear about it lots. So we're <laughs> gonna try and spin this. That we still have a hope at playoffs, but realistically, eh, we'll probably be talking some trade deadline stuff too. Seeing as how this will be our only episode before the trade deadline, Adam, for yourself, a little bit of confession to drop on the people. But hey, I back it. Yeah, you know, no one knows this yet. I almost dropped the bomb there in the uh, little, little. Uh, kind of get to know each other uh, video or video chat that we had there and uh, with the Yesay Pooley RV uh, profile pick, the, the tongue up the nose, you know, nothing, uh, nothing was grabbed there. Nothing, uh, nothing yesterday when I was watching the uh, Oilers in Montreal game. Ah, this might uh, give it away a little bit, but you know, I'm uh, I'm from I'm from the other side of the pond. I'm loyal to the oil, but more most importantly, I'm a hockey fan. Okay, and uh, that's what I'm here for. We're talking hockey, talking Flames. I'm not gonna bash here. I'm uh, level-headed. Just hope my boys. We're gonna let him bash. I'm just to back Adam a bit. Like he's not a tainted fan like myself. Like I was raised to hate the Oilers, so that's branded into me. Adam's a fan of hockey. Obviously, chose his hometown team to back him but it's not like this guy doesn't like the flames he watches the flames he's probably the biggest magni supporter i've ever met I'm not saying i know a lot of flames fans because i'm just surrounded by the oil 
But I mean, this guy brings a lot to the table. I just didn't want two Flames fans on a Flames podcast sitting here agreeing with each other the whole time. I want some pushback. I want to be able to have some discussions. You know, half the problem in Calgary is management and ownership just agreeing with each other. Everyone's okay with mediocrity. I didn't want that here. I wanted to bring on someone who's going to push back on some of my takes. And I mean, the show's going to need a whipping boy. We brought in an Oilers fan, but he's going to have a different perspective and he's honest. And that's why we have him. So getting all that out of the side, sure, starting off on the wrong foot with some people, <laughs> but going through it, the Flames playoff hopes. Let's get it. This is topic one. It looks pretty grim. As I mentioned before, coming out with the magic numbers 12 and a half so how that works is if montreal wins a game that number goes down one so if they win their next game it's 11 and a half if they get a point it go to 12 even if the flames lose it goes down a whole number if we only get a point in an overtime or shootout loss it goes down the half number if we win a game it stays as is so if the Habs were to lose their games this week and we beat the Oilers, that magic number would stay at 12 and a half. And that's my understanding of it. My real number was we could eat one more loss. But taking a look at their schedule ahead and two, they still play Montreal, the team they're chasing, five more times. That's 10 points up for grabs. The Canadians have a tough schedule ahead of them. They're, they're only playing the playoff teams remaining outside of us. They play Winnipeg. They play Edmonton, who they've actually handled quite well. No thanks yeah. to all there. <laughs> and then they still play Toronto. So looking at that, Adam, what do you think of the chances? I know it's grim, but is there any way we can spin this into a positive, at least for episode one? Well, you know, like you said, uh, Oilers haven't been I, – I don't know if it's a personal vendetta against uh, – the uh, rivals against the pond, but they can't seem to sort out Montreal, which definitely doesn't help. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. Like, look at uh, the Blues. The dead last won the Stanley Cup. You know, teams get hot, right? So totally. what, what what other team wouldn't get hot? The, uh, the Calgary Flames is pretty much in their name. And they got they got the talent, man. Like, they just got to, I don't want to say wake up, but they got to, they just got to all get behind the same train and, Shifting and you know, watching year, these really. last, watching these last couple games, like I feel like, not for everybody, but I'll, you know, like the Magnes are gonna Magni, their efforts always gonna be there. I I see Johnny and he's buzzing around, and he's lugging some two heavy line mates right now. But I feel like the effort's been there; they're just not getting the goals. And you know what? Something that's gonna really hemorrhage him on this playoff push. You know, Markstrom just hasn't been himself since returning from that. Uh, Injury, I think he's floating around an 880 save percentage since floating around or since returning from injury. Sorry, uh, the game winning goal there against Edmonton Friday night that McDavid got off the draw. You know, your elite invested six million dollar goalie should maybe get that save in a very crucial time. I'm, I'm looking at Markstrom, and I think it starts with him. He needs to be better if we're gonna have a hope. Like, we need to go on a run, we can eat two losses i'll put it at two losses and with the games left it's going to be tough but we need markstrom to step up to go on a run what have you been seeing out of his play there fish well i like how, i like that you bring that up because a goalie of markstrom's caliber really should be winning like winning your team games when you shouldn't be winning the game right and 
yeah, maybe at the beginning of the season he might have snagged a couple of those, but it's uh, totally. coming down the stretch. Like it's not not to say Redich. I'm scared like watching Redich when he's in that, and I don't feel comfortable. But like if Markstrom's in that, I want to have that uh, feeling where oh yeah, he might actually give us a give us a win we don't deserve. You know what I mean? So, and that that's why that's why the Flames brought him in. Like they they want this guy. They want their uh, Mika Kiprasov, like some guy they can rely on for a majority of the year and only have to throw in a Riddich or a Big Z into the net like a few times here and there, right? Like 20 games throughout the year. It's obviously a shortened season, but but still, like looking at this, if it was an 82-game season and it was to go this way still, like who knows where they'll be, what, what Markstrom's save percentage, goals against would be. Like he was... I had him in my fantasy team at the beginning of the year, and he's just plummeted, man. I had to drop him. Like, same thing with Carter Hart, but like, you expect a lot from them, and just some of these guys aren't really uh, showing up this year. Oh, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's it's plagued the Flames since Kippersov's retirement. They've been bouncing goalies. It's been not a goalie graveyard, but you know, goalies haven't been finding success here. We went through a lot of Carter Ramo, Jonas Hiller. Uh, you know, Elliot, Mike Smith, who in that last playoff series, I will say Mike Smith gave us a hell of the last five games and we did nothing with them. Yeah. But you know, you know those we, games were exciting. You know, we, I was excited when we signed Markstrom. You know, I thought myself the six years was a lot with Parsons and Wolf waiting in the wings. I know goalies take a while, but six years. But hey, we invested in this guy, you know, and right now it's the time to shine and you know, since coming back from injury, I don't know if something's still lingering there, but I'd almost say Riddich has outplayed him in his time since yeah, like, returning from the injury. And you don't want to hear that because I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I'm not bashing Riddich, but like it's been a little, it's been a little iffy. It's been like I don't have the utmost confidence in in him every game. You know, like, like I said, he's not a goalie that I expect to win us a game or anything like that, but uh, it's still. You get the same feeling with both of them in that right now. And that really yeah, really doesn't give you a warm Riddich. feeling. And we've seen it over the years with Riddich. Like, he's been our number one. You know, he's he's always started great, but he hits that 40-game mark. And I don't know if it's the starter minutes catch up to him, but, you know, he starts to falter. You saw it last year. He got shaky. We had to put Talbot in. Talbot got hot. We ran with Talbot in the playoffs. He all played Riddich. Um you know, this year Riddich gets the backup role, and he's he doesn't got to play as much. He had a very shaky start to the year, but I feel like he's really settled in now. He's getting some more playing time. He's he's coming into form. So I guess the question here is, if you're Daryl Sutter, run going forward here now in the last couple of weeks, where every win is crucial. I mean, every win you need it. You need it all. They they're on like a nine game skid right now. Who do you play in that? Who would you play? You or Daryl Sutter? Who are you going with? Honestly, I, I know I, I gotta go with Markstrom still. Like I I wanna like I wanna like Riddich. He's got some antics and everything like that. Like he's got I, I love his personality and everything like that. I feel bad for him. He just kinda seems snake bitten. Like I know he's not as bad as he has been showing recently. Just something happened to him. Re- I there's probably a game, and it just—I don't know if it was the uh, the old stick flip incident with Yamamoto there, but uh, ever since, like ever since that beatdown, 
I don't remember seeing him really have that swagger in that, you know, that oh, swagger that Ritter brings. I pinpoint that exact game, the the return after the stick flip, the revenge game for the Oilers. I think, you know, goalies a lot of confidence, a lot of mentality up here. You know, I think it shattered him a bit. I mean, I don't think it was affecting him starting this year, but last year for sure, I think it got to him. And then there's also, you know, he hit his 40-game mark and probably starts to flare out. But, you know, me personally right now, like, in the last two weeks, Ritter's been out playing Markstrom, and if there is a lingering ish, uh, injury with Markstrom right now, I, I, I Saturday night against the Oil now, that game's got bumped up, it got flexed. I, I'm starting Ritter, personally. Yeah. yeah, so even though Markstrom did sit out for a long time, uh, would, would you just would you go back to the tandem of Riddich and Zagadulin, the big Z, as we're going to call him? If uh, Markstrom's not on the bench? Well, no, maybe, like like you said, a lingering injury. And oh, maybe just give him a little bit off. of a break. Yeah, like, or has I he had long enough of a break with sitting out before there, like in the midseason there? No, I'm not an Oiler fan, so I don't have a quitter's mentality. But until we're dead, I'm not doing any of that stuff, personally. I'm If I'm management, I'm the coach, I'm still trying to win at this point. They did a lot of offseason moves to bolster this team. I'm still trying to win. I'm playing my guys to win until we're mathematically dead. I know they're signing a lot of the entry-level contracts right now, but I'm doing none of those tactics until they're right dead in the water. I don't see the point. And if you wanted to start playing people, they got a guy sitting in the press box right now who I feel should be playing in Uso Velimaki. Why they're not playing him, beyond me, but yeah, yeah, I'm not no big Z moves or nothing like that. You run Markstrom Riddich. I say get the start to Riddich on Saturday. But yeah. that's enough about that. All right. With that, uh, I wanted to touch on Johnny Goudreau's season. I know it's a hot topic right now. He's got one more year left on his contract. He's a UFA after next year. A lot of the hype, a lot of the buzz that he isn't gonna re-sign here. Do you move him? You obviously ain't moving him this trade deadline. It'd have to be an off-season move. I'm a little weary about moving Johnny Goudreau. I don't think he's the issue, one thing. And on the other hand, I don't think Flames Nation is ready for the return they're going to get on Goudreau. I think they're going to be let down. I think they expect a lot more as a return for him, but I, I see it as a pick or two and some highly touted prospects. Like They're not getting an NHL player or anything for a Goudreau trade, especially when he's got one year UFA left. They're going to move them. I don't think the return's going to be as wealthy, but I wouldn't move them. What about you, Fish? Well, first off, before we go to that, I just want to touch on like another another amazing stat here real quick. Uh, our boy, Dustin Wolf, uh, looking big at his stats, like, yeah, big Wolf fan. And, uh, He's tearing it up. T- absolutely tearing it up. So, like, if you have the, like, are you, are, who realistically, if you could get rid of either goalie, and Wolf was was able to come in as a starter, like he's he's at he has a 9.75 save percentage now, dropped from a 9.76, uh, so he's slacking a little bit. But would uh, how how soon do you think uh, would you bring in Dustin Wolf? Oh, he's young, man. Goalies goalies take a long time. I let him finish in the dub unless he's. 
I mean, he's showing it right now, but unless the league really has nothing to offer him, I mean, I know he's splitting time in the AHL and the dub. I know he's played some games up in the A. I mean, goalies take a while. I feel like we'll see Parsons, if anything, first. He's older, so I feel like he'd get a crack at it first. Is there a Parsons-Wolf tandem coming in the AHL soon? Probably. I mean, Markstrom's still here six years. You know, yeah. Riddich said it himself. He's not going anywhere. Doesn't want to, yeah. I think we're a couple of years away from Wolf or Parsons yet, but, I mean, that that's what you want with goalies. They take a while, and you just want to keep tabs on their play. And, you know, when you look at Wolf and you see the stats, the 975 save percentage, it's just like, we got a good one coming. <laughs> no kidding. And a steal of a deal, too. For He was 214th in the seventh round. Like, can't get better than that. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, I'm I'm a big goalie guy. I'm excited on those two, for sure. Very excited, but, yeah, I'm they're, they're going to be a while away yet. Let's not start jumping onto any wagons there. Uh, they're they're going to be a bit, for sure. Let's not do the Edmonton Oilers rush, rush the development thing. Yeah, we don't – We yeah, and that's and that was another thing with the marks from six years. Like, if Parsons or uh, Wolf is ready in three – you know, they got to come up and out-duel Markstrom. Tough. Like, you have I, ideal world. One of them comes up, and they play back up to Markstrom. You know, they learn the ropes. You know, you have a great tutor, mentor, and Markstrom kind of showing the ropes that first year. They back them up. And then, you know, it's kind of the changing of the guard. So if one of them's ready in three years, we're having a changing of the guard with three or two years left of Markstrom's contract at six mil. That's an expensive backup goalie, if that were to come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, to, to touch on that Goudreau thing, um, I think I, I agree with you in the fact that people aren't going to like what they're going to get back for Goudreau, because especially based on he's not on a, a long-term deal anymore, right? He's expiring, so. Not locked not- up. I mean, he's probably getting a raise. He only makes six, seven, five. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. There's teams out there that'll pay him too. And, and like a team that's going to take him now this year, if anyone was taking him at the trade deadline, it's going to be a playoff team and they're going to, you know, they're not, they don't want to get rid of their main roster, right? They want to go with some of their guys that they have and they're, they're running with already and they found success with. So it's most likely going to be a draft pick or it's going to be like, it's going to be a prospect, which in Calgary, you do need some more prospects for sure. So it's not harm that you are getting prospects. And just I wouldn't say one. I'd say a couple of like maybe two top six forwards. Like in the Oilers case, you got like a Lavoie type guy. Someone that, you know, will like get into the lineup hopefully pretty soon here. Um, and then there's lots of rumors about Paul Mary coming to Calgary. But also Johnny going to New Jersey. So in my in my mind that that move doesn't really make any sense whatsoever for either for either team. Realistically, New Jersey's going to win that deal cuz Calgary does have a lot of players like Palmieri already and uh, you're getting a superstar like I'm not saying Palmieri isn't a superstar. He's probably one of the better players on his team, but it's not he's not Johnny Gaudreau level like first line caliber 99 yeah. points, right? So yeah. like I think it's going to be like a Hall for Larson type deal. Like not, not like 
it's it's just when I say Hall for Larson, it's something that you're extremely disappointed in in the beginning. Maybe it turns out good. Larson's playing great this year, but like Shirelli says, what you guys wanted a defender, right? So I traded for a defender. This is what I had to do. So say goodbye yeah, to Caleb Hall, right? Necessity. But even exactly. then, I don't even think we pull that off with Boudreaux. I don't think it's going to be a necessity trade. I'm, I bet a lot of it that it's going to be the picks and prospects kind of deal. I don't see it being a player for players straight up. And, I mean, Calgary's kind of at a crossroads right now. A retool. I don't think yeah. they're rebuilding that new arena coming here in a couple of years. So a rebuild's probably off the table. When I look at this roster on paper, there's so much to like. It seems well built, but the results just haven't been there this year. This is definitely not where I thought we'd be. I thought for sure playoffs, if not contending for the division title. Same here. It hasn't went that way. But back to Goudreau and his play this year, you know, I think he's been all around it. You know, it was, he's been given a, his usual running mate and Sean Monaghan, who's looked less interested or less effortful than ever this year, at least in prior years. He was never the most flashy or feet were always moving dirty areas kind of guy, but 30 feet around that net, he was guaranteed goals. This is a guy who scores 27 goals plus a season in his sleep. This year, he's looked nothing like it. If you watched the game against Toronto yesterday, they had a two-on-one. Goudreau slid the puck over to Monaghan, clear-cut shot. He put it like... 15 feet wide of the net, no stick on it, no nothing, just wide. Like, it's just not there for him. And then on – that's the center. Then on the other wing, he's being flanked by a PTO tryout, fourth liner extraordinaire. I mean, you watch this – and nothing against Richie. I, I know he's a Sutter prototype guy, but putting him on Monaghan and Goudreau's line, other than the twilight, a couple shifts to get him going, bang around a bit, like, it's doing nothing for him. You look – it's almost like playing – these guys are out there almost like playing with a rec leaguer when it's their skill levels. You know, you watch them like look up, see Richie and like double clutch a pass to him or, you know, Richie's banging the boards, banging the puck out along the boards and he's, he's got no moves. He can barely control the puck. He just flicks it back down low and it's, it's a reset dump and chase. Hopefully the puck will bounce out to go to Johnny or Monaghan. I don't like what they've been doing with Goudreau and his line mates this year. I mean, I, they need to save him. He's their most naturally gifted offensive player by far. It's not even a competition. I would like to see more of that Magny and Lindholm with Johnny line. I'm I'm totally oh, yeah. okay. This franchise is against splitting up Johnny and Monty. I think it's time. I mean, all the cards are out here, fellas. We need to go now. So I I would like to see Johnny slot in with Magny and Dubé and let that roll for a bit. You know, second line, you can go Chucky, Monaghan, uh, Dubé. Third line, fourth line, stay the same. So so what what, what about uh, – okay, so for the first line, you're looking at are – you, are you a Lindy in center or at the wing? What type of guy are you? Lindy, Lindy centering Magny and Johnny is what I want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so like first line, Johnny. Johnny's are going to work. Exactly. Like, and Monaghan's I, not working hard at all this year. It doesn't seem like his effort is – he's slow. He's missing the net. Yeah. He's not guaranteed. And, I mean, it's Richie. Like, what What are the Calgary Flames seeing in this PTO player the wrong that Richie the other 30, 30 teams did not see? 
that they're just going to stick staple this guy to their most naturally gifted offensive threat. And no, like, kidding. we're dying for offense in Calgary right now. We're dying for it. And yeah, Richie Goudreau isn't cutting it. Because what the highest goal total on the team right now is Johnny. And we're saying Johnny's slumping right now, right? So that's saying something. Next, guess who? Your boy, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Mangiapani, my guy. 12 goals. He's on he he's playing at Johnny Gaudreau level right now. And or is it Johnny's Ch- playing at Magni level? Yeah, yeah, depends how you look at it. And then you got Chuck. Just Chucky watching Johnny play this year. I mean, he's always he's been a perimeter guy, you know. He was never a McDavid gonna dart in and attack. One thing I've noticed in his play this year a lot, like at times in the offensive zone where you'd see Johnny kind of peel away from the play with the puck or peel away from the net. You know, this year it seems like he's thinking about it and he takes a couple quick steps and he's attacking a lot more. He's just not yeah. getting that support from his line mates right now. But I feel like Johnny's he he's the whipping boy for Calgary. Obviously, your star player, when they're not producing, they're gonna take it. But I feel like yeah. As far as his regular season play goes this year and what he's been anchored down with on for line mates, I feel like he's been all over it. Yeah, he's he's doing good. Like If you look at the goals, Milan Lucic has the exact same amount of goals as Sean Monaghan right now. Lucic has the exact same... No, he doesn't. He has... Okay, so Lucic is at 16 points. Monaghan's at 23. The Oilers were, were literally asking a team to take Lucic off their hands. Lucic is playing great here in Calgary. I really like how he's hey, turned his game around. Like, totally, totally a great acquisition for sure. But, like, you look at that and Lucic is a, almost outscoring Sean Monaghan and you, you're wondering why Johnny Gaudreau's point totals have went from 99 to 58. Like, it's it's clear that it's his line mates. Like, you got to... You you got to split them up. I, I don't want to I don't want to rile up the Flames fans here, but you got to split up Johnny and Monty. And like like I said, like you you and I kind of had a discussion about this, like Lindy Johnny Magni or Lindy Johnny Dubé, what whatever you want. You don't have to have a big guy on your line. Every line doesn't have to have a goon. That's why you have a Lucic. That's why you have a Richie. You have a Richie to come out, play five minutes a game, and then just beat up on someone. You can't. If if someone touches that line, because that line would be absolutely electric. Johnny, Johnny, Lindy, and Dubé, personally, is what I would do. And I'm I'm a Magni guy, but I would play Magni on the second line with like a Chucky and a Monahan, because maybe Magni's drive will maybe who knows maybe it'll chip a couple more goals in for Monty. And then Chucky, he's a loud mouth out there. He's a leader. He might get some. Get some extra oomph out of Monahan as well, so you just got to stick them with the right line mates. Like it's not, it's not uh, Johnny Monty. It's, it's like you got to look at your whole team. They're not. And that's, the whole total, team. and that's totally been the thing for the last five, six, seven years. Is it's Johnny Monty, and you know, outside of Hoodler, it's just been a revolving door of wingers. Like, can Hoodler still skate? Let's sign him up. He's yeah, been no the kid. only one that's worked on that line. There was the first year with uh, Lindholm when they just exploded. The Gatorade line was going wild, but they haven't been able to find that form since. I know this year training camp, the new hot duo was Kachuk and Lindholm. Kachuk's having yeah. an off year. I think we could all call it that. We've all seen it. He's not 
himself. I know there's the rumors about the puck flip, people telling him to tone it down. Me personally, having a hockey background, living that life, being in the dressing rooms, I doubt that's what was said, especially when that's part of what makes your team so successful. I doubt anyone's telling Chucky to tone it down. I'm not in there. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But I don't know what's happening to Chuck this year, but he just hasn't been himself. He says all the right stuff in interviews, but he just hasn't been going. But, I mean, that could be said across this whole roster. Yeah. It's just yeah. usually we're in years of mediocrity. This year has been worse than mediocrity. I mean, we're essentially out of the playoffs in a 56-game season at the moment right now. If this was an 82-game season, that's like being out in mid-February, just being out of it. <laughs> that's like being that's a Buffalo Sabres right now. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's um, the thing I've noticed is a lot of these, apart from Austin Matthews, you know, I have a slump there for a little bit, but, and uh, I don't want to pump up the, the Leafs boys at all here, but uh, Matthews, Marner, Dreisaitl and McDavid at the beginning of the year, but now, now that these teams have played each other so much and they're playing each other so often, they just know how to stop everyone. Like you're not playing them like every once, once in a while, it's, like you might see the same team twice a week. So all the, all the defensemen are doing is clogging the middle up and just standing and waiting for McDavid to run right into them. And it's getting on his nerves. He was mad in that Montreal game. He got blocked off by the ref and he just skated right off. He didn't even try to get back in the play. Hands in the air. You could tell he was frustrated. And you can see that with every player almost. Like everyone just knows how to play each other this year way better and that's that may be at a at the fact that the divisions are so tightly knit and you play each other so often, right? So, like even even back in the day when you're playing against the same like eight teams in like in uh, minor hockey, you know, you're you're gonna know, buddy. You're gonna know. Hey, let's stick two guys on him. Let's uh, let's monitor. Let's watch number ninety nine out there, you know. So. Oh, totally. They're totally. just, they've just figured it out way more this year from what I find. And it's it's got to be the fact that they're playing each other so often. So who knows? Next year you might see a big resurgence in all these people. Oh, I expect – I mean, if it doesn't come this year, I expect Kachuk to bounce back. I'm sure he's fine. You know, everyone has bad seasons. It is what it is. He isn't going to be great all the time. We need him. I see him as our future leader whenever Gio retires. But this year, for whatever reason, it's just not happened for the Flames across the board. And on that point, I would like to touch on the defensive side of the puck or the D pairings at that. Now, I've been pulling my hair out all year. I mean, you saw me before the year. I was calling for it. I was hoping it only take three weeks to split up Rasmus and Gio. I mean, Gio's 37. He's getting up there in age. I watch it every year. Here, living in Edmonton, I mean, I watched McDavid blow by him wide 20 times a game for the last five years. He's not getting any fleeter afoot, but he's still on our first pairing. He's still playing all the minutes, penalty kill, power play. I think it's time to ease back the reins on Geo's minutes and maybe also separate or split up the pairing of Rasmus and Geo. What do you think? What have you seen in Geo's play this year? Well, I've seen it the years prior too, but like especially this year, like I really like Rasmus Anderson. Like he's the NHL 21 gem. I will trade for every time Magny and Razzie. 
And I just think Gio's really pulling Razzie down. Like a lot of people already say that he is a top pairing defenseman. Imagine playing him with someone that can actually allow him to be a top pairing defenseman. Like Gio's just dragging him down and you don't want him to become hated to the point. He's, he's not hated. He's a, he's a good captain and everything like that. But like, I, I'm thinking of Andrew Ference. Like we brought him in, made him the captain. We expected him to just run the pa- like run, run everything, run the defense. And then he ended up just, we chucked him on the third line. And when he wasn't good enough for the third line, we threw him on LTIR and he retired. So like something like that, but don't, don't go that drastic yet. Cause he's still capable of playing. Like he's still an NHL defenseman. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying, there. bring back his minutes. I, I'd love to see oh, him for sure. as our 4D man, 5th, 6th pairing. You know, you throw him out, power play, what yeah, have you. Exactly. I, look, he's 37 years old. We have to play the Oilers 10 times this year. And for the last five years, even, the coach's game plan is, ah, stick Gio on McDavid. That'll slow him yeah. down. It's exactly. never slowed him down. I think McDavid's lit up the flames the most in his career, and it's I, I've seen it firsthand. It's obvious. You you watch him blow by Giordano five times a game. I think he's just getting slower. I don't think he can keep up his pace uh, for a full game playing the minutes he is. I just want to see a rain back in minutes. And you know what? I feel bad for Rasmus because, you know, his analytics are taking a hit. I'm not the biggest analytics guy. I'm still an eye test guy. we got to watch these yeah, games oh, still. Yeah. But, uh, you know, his analytics aren't looking good. But I feel it's kind of because, you know, he's covering so much ground for Gio. Like, you watch a Flames game and you can count on your two hands the amount of time Gio's going to do a panic 180 because he's getting blown by or he's caught flat-footed. And, you know, Razzie being his partner, I'm sure is aware of all this. And, you know, he's already backing up. Or, you know, he's trying to cover three-quarters of the ice while Gio covers one quarter. And that's how I'm looking at it right now. So I would like to see... I know you touched on it. You wrote an article for Flames Nation here. It's unpublished yet, but you were touching on the D pairings, and you had an actual pretty good idea of splitting up Hannafin and Tanev. I know they've been our best defensive unit, should be our first pairing the way they've been playing out, but you wanted to see them split up to kind of spread the confidence amongst that D core. So what did you have in mind with those pairings? Well, first of all, yeah, uh, the I'm going to touch on the Hannafin thing. I'm a big – it's, it's a paradox. I'm an Oilers fan. I should hate the I should hate the Hurricanes, but uh, all these all these Hurricanes guys, you're never gonna hear me say a bad word about them. I love them all. I love the current roster. So Hannafin, I'm a huge fan of Hannafin. The kid's only 24. He's almost coming People up on 500 that. career games already, which is People forget astounding. That. Yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. And I honestly forgot it until I looked it up. Like I wanted to see how like old he was. Like. This guy still have time to develop, which he has tons of time to develop. He was drafted and he was in that same year, and he played like a full season. But you got your Tanev, and you you got Tanev, and you got Hannafin. Hannafin, people were calling for maybe he's lost his confidence and everything like that a, li- a little bit. Still a very capable NHL defender, but paired next to Tanev, apart from the last couple of games, he has been extremely confident in his game you can see it he's played so much better like one of the best like you said they they should be deep pairing one over rasmus but personally if you're if you're if you're saying tanev's the reason that hannafin's doing well you put you put razzy and you put hannafin on the first line 
they're both it's a lefty righty they're not putting a lefty lefty on that on that first first pairing it's still all this all still works out Valamaki, you want to see the kid get some confidence because that's kind of one thing that he's lacking a little bit and you can kind of tell that he's still oh, a little absolutely it, right i mean daryl's not playing him right now either so yeah, yeah. shots your confidence for sure right so then you grab tanev and stick him with Valamaki. like he's it's something that geo should be doing but if you put geo with Valamaki, then he's just oh, going to make Valamaki 10 times worse so then oh, yeah. at that point to keep your captain geo in on the in on the defense top six you stick stick geo on the third pairing with someone like a shillington he's only 26 exactly or something like that exactly shillington get him into the roster get him playing and they, play and they play together good i would be playing shillington you just nailed it on the head i would be i like mark stone and Nestra, but i mean for me myself personally you kind of touched on it hannafin anderson tanev valmaki Shillington and Geo. Those are the pairings I'd like to see, especially if we're out of this thing. Like, let's get these kids playing. Let's see what we got in them. We were yeah. I was so excited for the Valamaki Razzi combo. It hasn't come yet. I would love to see it. I think I text you every time they're on the ice together. It just oh, yeah. it gets me out of my seat. I <laughs> I might love Valamaki more than Razzi. And oh, that's yeah. saying Yeah. And I was, oh, yeah. I was Disclaimer, I was never a defenseman in hockey. I can play a goal. I was always a forward. I, I'm i not a defenseman, and I love these defensemen. And I'm not a defensive guy, but yeah, I love yeah. these kids. Yeah, and uh, you you, you want to see you want to see Valimaki, uh get back into the roster soon. And, like, it's not – I'm not saying like, – we're keeping it optimistic here. But come, come the time when it's really not – like, you're statistically out of the playoff race – Throw in Valimaki, pull a Jeff Ward, and blow the lines up. Like, figure out what's going to work. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Something's so, going wrong here, so let's figure out what's going to work. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, looking ahead, trade deadline's looming right now. Realistically, if the Flames are going to be sellers, I only see – three pieces on this roster that are going to garner anything that are tradable under these circumstances. Everything else would have to be an off season like Johnny Monahan, whatever they're going to try and blow up here. But if any flames are going to move the, for the trade deadline, my top three pieces, you know, I see Riddich is going to carry some value. I think Derek Ryan, he's like our Swiss army knife. He could go, and, I mean, everyone knows this last one. He's got the moniker, so you know you're going to want him for the playoffs. Looks like we're going to have no use for him. Playoff Benny. Benny, Ryan, Riddich. If the Flames are going to be making moves this deadline, I'd say those are the three guys that we're probably seeing depart. Fish, you see anything different? Uh, uh, well, I agree with you on all those guys for sure. And uh, the – I guess – I guess I'll leave Bennett to the to the very end, but uh, you got. I'll touch on Derek Ryan first because Derek Ryan's heavily interested. That Oilers are heavily interested in Derek Ryan, from what I'm hearing. Uh, so you won't be able to afford that. Exactly. You're. It's. It's going to be. They're going to have to pay something, but Trev will make that price way too high. They. They. They ain't coming to Calgary for nothing. Yeah, like. So back to Glenn that, that's. 
yeah, Glenn Denning's our option, right? So it's Glenn Denning or Ryan. That's really what do you want to pay ultimately? But it's just one of those type of players. But I, uh, the the Ryan. Ryan could really honestly help out anyone's bottom six. Like no one's maybe like apart from like a Colorado or something like that, like a heavily stacked team, but um, he could really bring some like veteran leadership to any team. He's going to win you face-offs. And uh, he, I I think he would go to a playoff team for sure. Like a team that's pushing in to get into the playoffs. Um, Riddich, Riddich, I've only really heard Riddich to Washington. That's kind of, the only real rumor around the around the league is because I don't think it is true, but I mean those yeah, are exactly. the three most tradable pieces for the Flames. He's stated that he wants to stay, right? So well, like it depends. Well, yeah, it really to that point, what's he gonna say to the interviewing? No, trade me. Yeah, like of course he's gonna say that. Yeah, exactly. So like this uh, Vitek Vanacek on the, the Capitals, he. He kind of came out of nowhere this year. He kind of played well when Samsonov decided to go have some vodka with, with Ovi and the the Ruski boys in the hotel room there earlier in the year. He kind of picked up the slack. He did really good. Lundqvist, they lost Lundqvist. He was going to be their 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 backup for this year, but we all know what happened with Lundqvist. And uh, so I don't know. I personally I don't understand the rumors about that because I think they're well touted with those boys with Vanacek and Samsonov but uh Bennett Bennett playoff Bennett in himself is worthy of getting more than just trading for Sam Bennett playoff Bennett is another creature like I live to watch Sam Bennett I watch every time the Flames are in the playoffs I watch I'll watch the Flames because I love watching Bennett like you said earlier and Mike Smith Mike Smith played out of his freaking pants that game, those five games against Colorado. And honestly, like I had, I, I had faith. The that he best was five games Smith gave us in his tenure. It's ridiculous. That gave, that gave me hope that signing him, maybe, maybe we got this Mike Smith coming to Edmonton. Uh, but the other, the other side to Bennett is expansion draft. Like that is one of Bennett and Geo. Like it's, it's like a, you might have to tr- you might have to give Seattle something to take on Geo's contract, like how the Oilers want to give Caleb Jones for James Neal, so we don't have the James Neal contract. But if you just get rid of your captain, like what does that say? And maybe it maybe it says, hey, Chucky, this is your team now. Things happened last year that we did we didn't expect. Uh, it's, it's your oh. turn now. Take this team over. Let's get back into the playoff push. Like we'll pick you up some more assets. You got what seven million cap or something like that from Geo? Go sign. Oh, sign five seventy-five. Oh, he's that cheap. No, oh, it's maybe six and a half. I should say. So then you're looking at Bennett maybe just leaving in the expansion draft if. Yeah, sorry, Geo six seven five. Yeah, he's okay, same as so John. He's re- close, he's close to seven five. mil. Seven mil. Yeah. Yeah, so he's close to That's seven right. million. <laughs> So like, it's really it's really what does the Flames organization want to do? Do we want to give up our captain, which it's been done before? Not necessarily a captain, but Pittsburgh gave up. Flurry. I'd be okay with it. Oh, and yeah. yeah, like there's people that are totally fine with that. Like, but there's people that are just like you know an old-fashioned die-hard hockey guy. Like, oh, you can't trade away your captain. But then that puts Bennett. Oh. That puts Bennett there for free if you don't do anything yeah. with Bennett now you might just have to get rid of him anyways 
Like you can maybe trade Bennett away right now, get something for him, and then you can put Geo unprotected, and then maybe that forces them to take Geo and not look at that Bennett piece on the expansion draft. Yeah, I mean, I think the play is the move Bennett here on the deadline. I'm I'm sure I know he's garnering a lot of interest, as he should. I see if the Flames make a move this deadline, it's Bennett going out the door. I'll hate to see him go because I'm a big Bennett guy. I like Bennett. I think he plays hard. I know he's got his problems, but, you know, I'm going to miss him, especially come playoffs because, you know what, for the Flames and playoffs the last couple of years, we've needed more Bennett's than anything. And, and and Sam Bennett, he's just like, like a Noah Hannafin. Sam Bennett is only 24 years old. Like people, people think the guy's like 31, right? Like he's not coming to the end of his career. He but he's gonna be with you. That's the problem with spending five, six, four years in one city, right? That's enough time for you to rise, have your stumbles, have the fan base turn on you, and boom, you've went from superstar to whipping boy. I mean, Bennett was never up there in superstar, but you know, he's slowly turning into a whipping boy. You see it in a lot of the Flames social media fan pages. You know, people call him out quite a bit now. Yeah. I mean, he's right now he's playing as your third liner, and as far as third liners go, I I have no issue with him for what he's for what he brings. Playing him as a third liner, no issue. He's a he's a bulldog out there, man. Like totally. That those well, are my like favorite types of players, man. Those bulldog guys, Marangipani. Got Yamo, you got your Bennett's. Like Bennett's a little bit different than both of those boys, but those guys are more honey badgers. But still, same type of player, small, just determined. They put in 110% every game, and you totally. can see it. So we're coming up to the end of episode one here, and we get to bring in and introduce what's going to be my favorite segment of the show, and one of the reasons we have an Oiler fan on the show. It's going to be a weekly segment, the Battle of Alberta, question of the week. I'm excited for it. So we're going to get two takes on some burning questions. For the start, we're going to keep it pretty hockey-related, but coming to the offseason, we might get creative with these Battle of Alberta questions. But for the first one, it's something I've been waiting to hit on. I actually have two takes on this. First question, Battle of the Week or Battle of Alberta. Who won the trade, the Lucic Neal trade? I'll go first with my first take. I'll let Fish go, give us his take, and then I'll bring it home with my second take on the trade, which is actually what I really believe. First take on the trade, especially when it happened, you know, I thought it's it's one of them trades that works for both teams. Neither of them are the greatest contract. We didn't sign Lucic to his. You guys didn't sign Neal to yours. I thought it worked for both. There's no use for Neil in Calgary for us. He sat in our press box. He pouted. He couldn't make our top six. You know, when we the year we brought him in was the year of the Gatorade line. We had Monty, Gio, Lindholm, Brody, all with over 50 points in like 60 games. The team finished first in the West. They were an offensive powerhouse. Neil did nothing for that. He did nothing for that. So – he wasn't chipping in. We had no use for him. Come playoffs, you know, he does nothing, and we get pushed out of the playoffs. Not even beat. We get pushed out. So, you know what? We needed that Milan Lucic to stop the pushing. When he comes to Calgary, he makes that whole bench 
two, three inches taller, and that's exactly what we need. So I'd rather pay the five, seven, five mil to Lucic to come in, play third line, and just make our players feel taller than pay Neil the four, seven, five to sit up in the press box and poke because he's not quick enough to keep up with our top six. So I see that as a trade that worked for both teams. That's my first take. We'll hear what you guys say about a fish. Okay, well, I'll give a little bit of Oilers flair on this one just because that's the Battle of Alberta. Cross-pond question here. Uh, so in the beginning, it was all – the rumors that first started, it was a uh, – I think the I, I think that the Flames were actually meant to get Louis Erickson and that Milan was supposed to go to – Vancouver, because I doesn't isn't Milan somewhere from Vancouver or something like that, or he has family there, so something he's, like that. Yeah, so, and he played for the Vancouver Giants. Exactly. So like that was the whole thing. It was supposed to be a, like three guys that just didn't work out in their organization. They all signed. They're hoping for big things from them, and it was just like a big old trifecta change of scenery. But seeing as Louis Erickson wasn't involved in that deal anymore. Sorry, Canucks fans. Uh, we all know how that worked out for you. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, I'd say the Oilers, Oilers and Flames won that side. Um, but, uh, you know, Neil, I I like Neil as a player. Like, he, kind of, he, he goes out there. You can see he's a leader to the younger guys. And it's unfortunate that he always finds himself on the taxi squad and – Yes, we were rolling here in Edmonton as Oilers fans when Neil was just pumping the goals in and was our uh, power play specialist and scoring all these goals for us. And uh, I can't say the same about him this year. Uh, the beginning of the year, he, he showed a little twinkle. I thought he was coming back. But but it's just unfortunate now that we 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 have to pay the little bit of Lucic. We have James Neal now that's just sitting on the bench. Exactly. Mm. We can't we can't even play Neil because he's got a lingering injury of some sort. He I'm not saying he can't keep up with McDavid, like he'll he, he can be in the play with him, but he's still obviously no one's as fast as McDavid, but it's just like it's playing with McDavid and if he doesn't work with McDavid, then he's on the fourth line. And then when he's on the fourth line, nothing happens because he doesn't have that other player to elevate his game because he's getting up there in age and he's losing his his uh, abilities that he's had in the past to be a goal scorer and everything like that. You can see he still does it on the power play when he's not running around. But uh, I, at the, at the, in the beginning, I was like, Edmonton won the deal. But seeing Lucic this year, Lucic is another animal this year. He is just on his horse. Fitting the blasty jersey came out because that is what he looks like when he is – Busting down the line. Just last game, he was cruising into the zone. Looks like a totally different guy. So, personally, on my side of the things, I think that the getting Lucic is the way that uh, I, I would pick. The Lucic side had won this deal as of right now. In the beginning, it was obviously the Neil. It was Neil, you know. But uh, it's unfortunate that Neil scores 19 goals, gets prorated, and uh, we lose the pick. So, ho hopefully, a uh, us Flames fans here will uh, get something nice out of that and be able to uh, poke fun at the Oilers. But uh, third round I, pick's huge. That's no joke. Exactly. Like I, I don't know who you guys have. I don't know when 
when you guys what you guys have for third round picks. But uh, Kuznetsov was Ours a second round pick. So so like you got a player like him. that. Yeah, exactly. And you guys are known for your draft steals. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like who so Chuck is your highest in, draft? Uh Bennett was actually our highest at fourth. Oh yes, yes, yes. Highest we've ever picked. So your take is Flames have won this. As of right now, yes. In the beginning, no. I was really, really heavily weighted to the Edmonton Oilers side of things. And I'm not going to be biased here and say that the Oilers have won the deal because who's playing right now and who's putting up points and making a difference for their team? Like You just got to look at it like flat out and not be a biased fan, right? So, oh, like I said, I'm a fan of hockey. Weird. I'm a fan of hockey, and, you know, I really like seeing Lucic thrive as well. Like, he was just... He was just getting beaten down, like here in Edmonton. Every time he touched the puck, they were screaming at the guy, like just like Toby Reader. Toby Reader was more of a heartfelt story, and we just wanted Toby Reader to score a goal there by the end of the year. And I went to probably four or five of those games and was singing, singing for Toby and everything like that. But, but it's just I, I, I'm, I'm really happy for Lucic, and I, I guess I would have to say that I think the Flames are definitely at this point winning that, winning that deal there. Okay, so that's going to make my second take a lot easier. We took this trade hands down, running away with it. What do you? What more proof do you need? You've touched on all of it. You guys are paying for Lucic, three-quarter of a mil to have this guy on our team. You, All you guys have gained after, like you said, you had, and I said this would happen. You'd have a honeymoon period with Neil where he'd be scoring all these goals, and it'd be great. Well, guess what? He scored just enough to get us the third, and now he's reformed back to James Neal. He's... He's too slow to play in your top six. And it's not like there's a lot of depth in Edmonton to begin with. You can stick anyone with McDavid and get, you know, results. Yeah. Uh, Lucic is, I mean, the team's not doing great, but I mean, you just look at it. Lucic has been just a bull this year. And even, and I'll bring it back to last year, you know, he did exactly what we brought him in for. He made us a playoff machine. Like you watch that Lucic, Bennett, Dubé line all playoffs last year, they were pushing the Jets around. We For the first time last year in the playoffs, we never got pushed out of the playoffs. We actually got beat. Every other year we've exited the first round, we've just been pushed out. Last year we never got pushed out. We finally got beat. So Lucic has come in and done everything we've asked for him. It's not our fault that you guys brought him in, toured him around the city, gave him the press conferences and promised him top six minutes and gave him top six dollars for it. That's not on us. All right. You took our problem with Neil. Now he's your five and a half million dollar paperweight up in the press plus, box. Plus he's a third round pro. pick. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's it. That's exactly it. He came in and scored, lasted that honeymoon period just enough for us to milk you for the third. It's exactly. the flames won this trade hand over fist like you'll never convince me otherwise and Lucic just put the dagger right into it this year with his play and for what he'll do for us in the playoffs not this year hopefully next year and what he did last year absolutely I'd, I'd take Lucic on this roster over Neil anytime and like I said the year we brought Neil in presumably for offense we were the best offensive team in the west and he did nothing to help out with that yeah. absolutely nothing now he's a Perennial minus player in Edmonton. You can't get him going. I yeah. think he, he was a minus 20 last year. He's a minus one this year. He's only played 17 games. Like He's been on waivers. He's healthy scratch. Taxi squad. Lucic went through none of that. That's 
hand over yeah. fist, flames on that. Exactly. exactly, and now now you're looking at at the Oilers putting like trading away a valuable defenseman and Caleb Jones. Like he's not showing it yet; he's still a little shaky. But you're offering Seattle to take Caleb Jones to get rid of the James Neal contract. And so now we don't have that half of the deal whatsoever. We lost a third round pick and we lost our goon in Milan Lucic. Like Keep it's just, on that point, Fish. we're, we're, we're going to have nothing eventually. If what they're saying is going to happen, like maybe the Oilers don't protect Clef bomb because of his shoulder arthritis. Maybe they just take a stab on him and take him. That would suck. But do you realistically want to do that? Probably not. So you might offer up that Neil contract and you lose Caleb Jones. You don't have Neil anymore. You're your 20 goal scorer, right? So, and, and here are the flames. They could probably ride Lucic for another two, three years. He doesn't look like he's any worse for wearing. If we don't get up against the cap, like as far as the bottom six go, yeah, he's making too much money again. We didn't sign him to that. Thankfully, yeah. the Oilers are covering three quarters of a mil of that. But like if he's doing what he's doing this year, next year, the year after, I mean, those are hard miles on a big boy. He's going to slow down eventually. Eventually. And when yeah. it happens, it happens. But, you know, if he can still be in the roster, as long as a guy like Lucic is on the bench, he's making your players two, three inches taller. Oh, and for and, sure. And I think you know, when he pops the goal in, it makes the boys happy. You know, it oh, makes the absolutely. team happy. From everything I've heard, he's just one hell of a leader in the dressing room as well. Yeah, and then also one last, one last thing is – you're not going to lose Lucic in the fantasy draft unless he waives his no movement clause. But from what I see, I think he likes it here in Calgary. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that means you might have to unprotect someone you don't want to, but uh, I think he waives it. Yeah. You think? I, I think he'll waive it. And then, he, I, and then I think he at- waive it for the sake of, I don't think Seattle would take him. Exactly. So you just expose them. Yeah, I think everyone behind closed doors knows that, including Lucic and Flames yeah. management. And I mean, yeah. if they did, it's pretty much going home in the twilight of his career. So it's kind of yeah. like a low-risk win-win. I think he'll waive it. I, yeah. I have no inside information on that, but I, I believe he'd waive it. Oh, yeah, your, your point's pretty valid. That makes a lot of sense for sure. All right. So, it was a great first episode. We enjoyed having you guys on. For myself, the fish, all the guys here at uh, New Era Hockey, have a good one. Stay safe out there. Stay safe, ladies and gentlemen.